This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. It's Zuma Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, (laughs) and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. I just love Jack Benny. And you know, the funny thing is, it wasn't always what he said that broke me up. It was what he didn't say, or should I say, his pregnant pauses were hilarious. Like the one time a robber with a gun stopped him on the street and said, your money or your life. There was a long pause, and the robber said, your money or your life. And Jack said, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. (laughs) He had worked magic with his audiences portraying the cheapskate in real life that he wasn't. As a matter of fact, when he passed away in 1975, among the most valuable items left by Mr. Benny was a 1729 Stradivarius violin valued at over $46,000, which he left to the Los Angeles Symphony Orchestra. Well, let's join Jack and Rochester as they work in the garden. Starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. And now, ladies and gentlemen, spring has come to Southern California. Birds are twittering in the treetops and buds are bursting on the branches. So without further ado, we'd like to show you how a typical gentleman farmer is heralding the arrival of spring. The time, early afternoon. The scene, Jack Benny's backyard. The farmer, Jack Benny! Gee, this this section I planted last year came up nice. Look at those nice straight rows. Two hundred stalks of corn. 150 cabbages, 300 strawberry vines. Hmm. One measly coffee plant. (laughs) But 
Who knew? <laughs> Let's see now. I better get these string beans in. I'll set them right next to the tomatoes here. Well, there's one. Gee, I got a hundred more to go. Oh, Rochester, I want you to come here and give me a hand. But, boss... Rochester, you've been in that swimming pool long enough. Now, come on. But, boss, I'm not through planting the rice. <laughs> Never mind that. I need you here. Okay. So worried about the rice. Sorry I gave him those chopsticks for Christmas. <laughs> here I am. Well, you can start with this row here. Yes, sir. Now, first you put the plant in, then sprinkle it over with a layer of vigoro. Cover that with some dirt, then a three-inch layer of bone meal, then some more dirt. Then you put on a, another big, thick layer of vigoro. And be very careful, Rochester, because you know what we're planting here, don't you? No, but it ain't going to be lilac bushes. <laughs> They're string beans, and let's get started. Boss, are you planting beans again? Yes, why? I thought you'd give up on beans after what happened last year. They were so small, the bugs were picketing them. I'm not trying to be funny, Rochester. I'm going to plant beans, and this year they'll be the biggest ones in Beverly Hills. Now, let's get going. There. That one's in deep enough. <laughs> you sure look funny in those overalls and that old straw hat. I do look like a farmer in this outfit, don't I? With those long white gloves on, you look like Hildegard. <laughs> Well, I've got soft, lovely hands, and I'm going to keep them that way. <laughs> I think I've got some of these plants upside down. No, I guess they're all right. Dennis! Dennis, don't mow so close to the tomato. Watch it. I'm almost through, Mr. Benny. Well, keep at it. And, Dennis, when you're through mowing the lawn, I want you to water it. Okay, I'll turn on the sprinkling system. I haven't got a sprinkling system. You have now. What? I thought the hose was a snake and shot it full of holes. <laughs> Dennis, that was a brand new hose, and I'm going to deduct the price of it from your salary. I was afraid that would happen. You were? Yeah, boy, am I glad I saved the last bullet for myself. <laughs> huh? Well, here goes. Dennis, put down that gun. I'll pay for the hose. I knew you were yellow. <laughs> Never mind. You just get back to work. I'll hold on to the gun. Okay. Boss, I finished the roll of string beans. Good. Now we'll plant some celery. You ought to plant pistachios. They're terrific. But, Dennis, pistachios are nuts. Well, who isn't? <laughs> Dennis, look at that mountain over there. That's it. Now hold your head still. Boss, boss, put down that gun. I only wanted to scare him. I couldn't hit a pointed head like his in a million years. <laughs> Now, go ahead, Dennis. Finish your work. Okay. See you later. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. He always plays conductor when he mows the lawn. <laughs> what a kid. Now, let's see. Hey, Rochester, look at these mushrooms here. I don't remember planting any mushrooms. Those are toadstools, boss. They're poison. No, no, Rochester. Go ahead and taste one. I think they're mushrooms. You think? <laughs> yes. Well, until you're positive, my attitude is negative. <laughs> oh, what a baby. Afraid to eat a little plant. Uh-huh. 
You know, Rochester, there's an old saying, a coward dies a thousand deaths. A hero dies but once. Did you ever hear that saying before? Yeah, and I want to be able to hear it again. <laughs> All right, don't eat it. Who cares? Oh, hello, Rochester. Oh, the garden looks lovely. Thanks, Miss Livingston. I see you got the scarecrow up already. This is me, and you know it. <laughs> Mary, did you buy that package of cucumber seeds like I asked you to? Yeah, here they are. They were ten cents. Thanks. Gee, just think, Mary. I'm going to take these little seeds, plant them in the ground, and before you know it, vines will spring up with oodles and oodles of cucumbers on them. Isn't nature wonderful? Yeah. And, Mary, half of those cucumbers are going to be yours. The heck with nature. Give me my dime. <laughs> Give me my dime. Give me my dime. You'll be sorry when the crop comes in. I feel it's going to be a big season. Oh, you're some farmer. You and your crazy experiments. They're not so crazy. Remember last year, you sprinkled cheese all over the ground and tried to raise au gratin potatoes. <laughs> All right, but I still say it doesn't hurt to experiment. Now, let's see. Oh, Mary, I was just having a little argument with Rochester here. Look, are those things there mushrooms or toadstools? Those are toadstools. They are? Well, I'm certainly glad you told me. I almost ate one. You almost ate one? Well, I mean, I would have eaten one after you did. With me laying there? <laughs> better dig these up and throw them away. I'm all through, Mr. Benny. Good. And Mr. Benny, as soon as your lawn needs cutting again, you'll be sure to let me know now, won't you? I certainly will, and I appreciate your interest. Well, I like to keep the grounds looking nice and in tip-top shape. Good, good. This is a beautiful place, and someday I might buy it. Really, Dennis? Yeah. I'll throw you out so fast it'll make your head spin. <laughs> Dennis, go home already. Okay, goodbye already. Goodbye, goodbye already. <laughs> Mary. Yes? Do you think Kenny Baker's too old to push a lawnmower? <laughs> oh, Jack, every time Dennis gets you a little aggravated, you always... Hello, Jack. Hey, Mary, it's Bob Crosby. Hi, Bob. Fine, Jack. Hello, Mary. Hello, Bob. Out for a little walk today? Well, not exactly. Uh, I told the boys in the band to pick me up here in our orchestra bus. Oh, are you leaving town again? Yeah, we got a one-night stand in Chicago. A one-night stand? You and the boys are going all the way to Chicago for that? Well, the boys just couldn't turn this down, Jack. She must be quite an important occasion. I'll say it is. Petrella's dog is going to be a year old. <laughs> oh, yes. Yasha Heifetz left this morning. <laughs> Oh, Bob, I don't mean to be rude, but I want to get all these rows planted by 6 o'clock. Well, why 6 o'clock? As soon as it's dark, his help has to run for the border. <laughs> Mary, stop making things up. I do all the work myself. Si, senor. <laughs> you keep quiet and put on a dry shirt. Say, Bob, as long as... Well, that must be the boys, Jack. I better get going. I'll walk around to the front with you, Bob. I gotta be running along, too. Say, Bob, it must be nice for the orchids to have their own bus to travel around in. Yeah, say, it's a nice bus, too. But, Bob, why is all that smoke coming out of the exhaust? Well, kerosene always smokes that way. Kerosene? 
Why don't you use gasoline? Oh, we tried that. But you see, when the boys smell anything over 80 octane, they run for the olive. <laughs> you mean they'd actually drink gasoline? Well, Bagby even drinks the kerosene. <laughs> no. Yeah, at night the boys stick a wick in his head and use him to read by. <laughs> well, I gotta be going anyway. Okay, Bob, I'll be seeing you. So long. Have a nice trip. Bye, Bob. Bye, Mary. What a crazy gang. Look at them in the bus there. Yeah, and look at that license plate. Brew 102. <laughs> well, Jack, I better be getting home. All right, I'll have Rochester get the car out. Oh, no, Jack, it's such a nice day. I'd rather walk. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay, goodbye, Mary. Bye. Well, I suppose I better get back to work. Yeah, I've had enough for one day. I think I'll go in the house and clean up. Fresh vegetables, tomatoes, lettuce, string beans. Hey, mister, would you like to buy some nice fresh vegetables? Oh, it's you. <laughs> what? You ain't fooling nobody with these petunias and tulips out here in front. I know what's going on in that backyard. All right, so I raise a few things to eat. Look, mister, I haven't made a sale all day. Why don't you give me a break and buy something? Well, all right. I'll take a dozen oranges. A dozen oranges? Two dozen pears. Two dozen pears? And a half a dozen apples. And a half a dozen... I knew it, I knew it. Everything with seeds. <laughs> but... It ain't enough you're growing vegetables. Now you gotta start with the fruits. <laughs> But I owe... If you want me out of business, get an injunction. Goodbye. Some businessman. He's so worried about competition, why doesn't he buy me out? The Wang Fu Laundry did. <laughs> oh, well, I guess I'll go in and clean up. I'll just slip into this clean shirt. Oh, hello, Jack. Don, where'd you come from? Oh, I came in the back way. I thought you'd be working in the garden. Well, I was, Don, but I've had enough for one day now. Gee, and I talked the sportsmen into coming over to help you. The sportsmen? Where are they? Well, they're working now. I'll call them in. Okay. Hey, wait a minute, Don. They don't seem to mind working in my yard. They're even singing. They are? Yeah, I'll open the window. We can listen. From the vine came the grape. From the grape came the wine. From the wine came a dream to a lover. He was back with Marie on the Isle of Capri, with a million stars shining above her. They don't know he belando, bachando, they de novo kill for in from the vine came the grape, from the grape came the wine, and for Tony a wonderful time. From the seed came the plant, from the plant came the leaf, from the leaf came that fine light tobacco. That's what makes Lucky Strike and that better taste you like. 
And you'll say there is nothing with better taste if Lucky's I love. From the plant came the leaf, from the leaf came tobacco, from tobacco fine and light comes Lucky's boys are clever. They have a commercial for everything. And they're such good workers, too. I'll get it, boss. Okay. Mr. Benny's residence, star of stage, screen, radio, television, and if the farmer's market hasn't got it, we have. <laughs> What's that? Yes, he's right here. It's for you, Mr. Wilson. It's your wife. Oh, thank you, Rochester. Hello, dear. Well, I'm going to guess we're having for dinner tonight. Oh. Well, then I suggest we have hors d'oeuvres, soup, nice Caesar salad, and for meats, I'd say a couple of chickens, an eight-pound roast, and a chafing dish full of meatball. Yeah, I think that ought to do it. You're welcome, dear. Goodbye. Don, who's your wife having for dinner tonight? Just me. The rest canceled out. <laughs> I should have known, Don. By the way, Jack, perhaps you'd like to come over for dinner. Oh, some other time, Don. You know, I've been working so much that I want to lie down for a while. You know, I'm kind of tired from all the gardening I've done. Ah, uh, Jack, don't tell me you planted vegetables again this year. Certainly. Why shouldn't I? I thought you'd give up after those awful beans you grew last year. Look, Don. Those beans were so lousy, even your garbage disposal threw them back at you. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> so long, Jack. Goodbye, goodbye. Gee, I, I really am tired. I'm sleepy, too. I worked hard today. I think I'll lie down on the sofa here. Ah, that feels good. Uh, what's everybody picking on my beans for? So last year they weren't so big. This year they'll be great. That new chemical fertilizer is guaranteed to make anything grow. Say, I wonder if... Nah, it'll probably burn my head. <laughs> I can't wait till those beans come up. I'll show everybody. I'll show him. I was inside. What am I doing out here in the garden? Say, look what happened to my beans. The beanstalk goes way up to the sky, through the clouds. I can't even see the top of it. Well, I'm going to climb to the top. 
I'm going to be like Jack in the beanstalk. Phew. Phew, I better rest. I must have climbed 500 feet. And I'm nowhere near the top. Gee, look how small everything looks down there. Hey, the rest of my garden is growing, too. Look at that tremendous honeydew melon. Oh, no, it's Sammy the drummer's head. <laughs> well, I better start climbing again. Wow, I'm nearly a mile high. Chief, from way up here, you can see everything in Beverly Hills. Look, there's the California Bank. <laughs> and say, there's Esther Williams out in her backyard taking a sunbath. Gosh, what a predicament. I don't know which to look at. <laughs> Chief, I lean out real far, I can see the entire city of Los Angeles. Gee, it looks... See, the branch broke. I'm falling. I'll be killed. Gosh, I'm not even hurt a bit. Wow, am I lucky. I landed on the smog. <laughs> I never knew that Los Angeles smog was thick enough to support you. But then it's been supporting comedians for years. <laughs> well, I better start climbing back up. the top. Hey, look at this place. It's fantastic. Look at the trees. There's money growing on them. Gee, I'm a stranger in paradise. <laughs> hey, what's the matter? The sky is getting dark. Gee, what's that? Fee-fi-fo-fum. I smell the blood of a comedian. <laughs> Say, are you the giant? No, I'm the assistant giant. You better go see the giant. He owns this place. Oh. Well, can you take me to him? I haven't got time. I've got to mow these clouds. See you later. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> hmm. Well, I better go see the giant. But I don't know where he lives. Hello, Jackie boy. How are you? Fine. Are you going to give me a great big kiss like you always do? Sure. Here. <laughs> oh. oh, that was wonderful. Oh, kiss me again. <laughs> She has nothing to do with Jack and the Beanstalk, folks. I always dream about her. <laughs> well, I better go see the giant. Gee, I wish I knew where he lives. I'll ask that rabbit. Excuse me, Mr. Rabbit. What's up, Jack? I'm looking for the giant's house. Do you know where he lives? 
Thank you. It's the second case from around the corner, Doc. Thank you. And for being so nice, I'm going to send you a big bunch of carrots. Oh, well, no thanks, chum. I'm on a diet. I was getting so fat I couldn't move. No kidding. Yeah, I wasn't happy because I was too hippie to hoppy. Oh. Say, uh, why do you keep staring at me like that? Oh, I didn't mean to be rude, Mr. Rabbit, but you remind me an awful lot of a friend of mine, Frank Remley. Oh, uh, is he a rabbit? No, but he's got pink eyes, too. (laughs) But his nose stays still and his head twitches. (laughs) Well, I gotta go to the giant's house. So long, Benny. So long, Bunny. I'm off to see the giant. Well, here's the giant's house. I'm going to knock on the door. Gee, look at the giant's laundry hanging out there on the line. Gosh, he has the biggest underwear I ever saw. The V in BVD looks like a Cadillac. Uh Uh-oh, I hear someone coming to open the door. Come in. I'd like to... Wait a minute. Mary, what are you doing here? I'm the giant's wife. Just because I kissed that girl? (laughs) You're the giant's wife? And he's a big giant, too. He's 70 feet tall. Here he comes now. Hey, are you the giant? Yes, I'm a big one, aren't I? <laughs> Look, I want to discuss some business with you. Hey, now, don't bother me. I have to feed my chicken that lays the golden egg. You have a chicken that lays golden eggs? Sure, it's that one at your feet. Now, watch. You go ahead, chicken, lay a golden egg. Imagine that a chicken that lays golden eggs. What do you call it? Barbara Hutton. (laughs) Oh. Hey, now, you said you wanted to see me about business. What is it? Well, your castle and everything else is on top of a beanstalk, isn't it? That's right. Well, a beanstalk is growing in my garden, so everything here belongs to me. No, it doesn't. Yes, it doesn't. First, I'm going to take this wonderful chicken. The one that lays the golden egg. Here, chick, 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 chick. There, there. I've got you. Come on. Yeah, that chicken's mine. Put it down. Oh, I'm taking it back to my house with me. Well, I'm coming after you. He's gaining it. Why, right off the edge of the beanstalk. I'm falling. I'm falling. Flap your wings, chicken, and give me some help. This is awful. I'm falling. Oh, I'll be killed. I'll be killed. Boss, wake up. Wake up. I'll be... Huh? Oh, it's you, Rochester. Gosh, what a dream I was having. Rochester, I dreamt I had I had a chicken that laid golden eggs. Well, stop squeezing that pillow. All you're getting out of his feathers. <laughs> Rochester, fix me something to eat. That climbing gave me an appetite. <laughs> Thank you.
Ladies and gentlemen, the very best Easter gift of all is the support you give through Easter seals to children who need your help. These seals provide medical care, nursery centers, and many other things that are needed. So give and give generously to the Easter Seal Agency in your community, or send your contribution to Crippled Children, care of your local post office. Thank you. Well, now that you've had a few laughs with Jack, get set for a few chills from Inner Sanctum next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for Inner Sanctum. I must admit that this is one of my favorite scary radio shows, and I love the way the host, referred to as Mr. Host, uses his voice to almost tease us with his almost giggling in anticipated reaction to his delivery as he plays with us and the tea lady. I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. Get ready for the squeakiest door on radio in the episode, You Could Die Laughing. <laughs> Lipton Tea and Lipton Soups present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends. This is your host to welcome you once again to the Inner Sanctum. Do come in and join our circle, but watch out you don't get Double cross. <laughs> but, uh, oh, you're disturbed by those bodies dangling from the ceiling. Well, you know some people, they just die to come here. Then they hang around week after week and never say a word. <laughs> well, I have a theory about that, Mr. Host. Yeah, what's that, Mary? Maybe the reason they're hanging around is because they think we're going to serve refreshments later on. Hey, that could be all right. You know, lots of folks are like that. And who can blame them? When there's good food ahead, they just won't leave. And that's especially true if there's a chance that Lipton tea is on the menu. Now, the reason for that is simply this. Lipton tea is tea at its delicious best. Because Lipton's has such grand, brisk flavor. In fact, brisk is the very word the tea experts themselves use to describe Lipton's full, hearty taste. You'll agree, I'm sure, the very first time you try it. For Lipton's is so lively and full-bodied and satisfying. Yes, it's that brisk flavor that makes more people buy and enjoy Lipton's than any other brand of tea in the world. So whenever you ask for tea, make sure you ask for Lipton tea. (laughs) 
And now, friends, draw close your chairs. If there are no faint hearts among us, we'll begin tonight's tale of terror. A story written especially for Inner Sanctum by Michael Sklar. Our star tonight is Santa Sotega, who plays the role of Elwood Fitch in You Could Die Laughing. We wanted to escape our problem, to forget about it, so we went to the movies. But there was a doctor in the story, and every time he appeared on the screen, I remembered. Halfway through the picture, I, I couldn't sit there anymore. I nudged Catherine, and we got up and walked out. The street was cold and dark and empty. Elwood, what do you want to do now? I just want to go back home. All right, dear. Get in the car. Elwood, I... I want to talk to you. All right, there's time for that. Please, dear, let's stop being silly about this thing. Let's face it. I am facing it. But you're not. Don't argue with me. For heaven's sake, don't you understand? The doctor said you only got a year to live unless we move to Arizona. Doctors are human. They can make mistakes. Not three doctors. I don't care. Why are you so stubborn? Why are you so dead set against Arizona? You ought to know why, Catherine. Me? Yes, you. Because of me? Yes. I haven't given you much, Catherine, not even children. But I've been able to make a living. We've been able to get along. What would I do in Arizona without a job and without money? Elwood, slow down. I can still drive a car, Catherine. You're speeding. Let me alone. Passing through a red light. Elwood! That man crossing the street. Look out, you... I... Catherine. Did I... Yes. He's lying on the ground. Good Lord. He walked in front of the car. We've, we've got to help him. Is... Is he... He's dead. Oh, Elwood. I didn't mean to do it. I couldn't help it. It happened so fast. Better call the police. Police? Well, you said he's dead. The police. Catherine, there's no one but us on the street. Nobody else saw it happen. But what difference does that make? Get back in the car. Edward, are you suggesting I was that... speeding. I passed a red light. And now this. They'll arrest me. They'll put me on trial for manslaughter. But my... He's dead, isn't he? We can't help him. It won't do him any good if I go to jail. But... Running away, leaving the body. Catherine, we've got enough troubles without this. We're going to get into the car and drive straight to the garage. I've got a year to live, and I'm not going to spend it in prison. Good evening, Mr. Fitch. Want me to put the car away for you? Yes. Show must have let out early, huh? We we didn't stay to the end, Anne. I didn't care for the picture. Ah, them pictures. I always tell my wife. Say, what did you hit? Hit? Yeah, your front bumper. Blood on it. Oh. Oh. That, that blood. A, a dog ran in front of the car. Uh, do me a favor, Dan. Wash it off before you put the car away. Sure thing, Mr. Fitch. <laughs> I didn't sleep well that night. Bad dreams, all mixed up. About doctors. But they all looked like the man lying on the street. And their faces were covered with blood. 
I woke up exhausted. Breakfast is on the table, Edward. Uh, just a moment. That newspaper can wait. Your toast is getting cold. Oh, here it is. What are you looking for? The story. You mean last night? It's in the newspaper? Listen to this. Stenger, victim of hit-and-run driver. Body of Augie Stenger, underworld character, was discovered early this morning at the intersection of Broad and Main Streets. Police believe Stenger was the victim of a hit-and-run driver. <gasps> the, the front door? Yes. Do you, you think it's, it's the police? I don't know. Get a grip on yourself. I'll see who it is. Morning. You, Mr. Fitch? Uh, yes. What can I do for you? I don't like to talk business on the front doorstep. Business? It's about last night, that accident. <laughs> what accident? Don't try to act innocent. I saw that hit and run. Now can I come <gasps> Let me handle this, Andrew. Who are you? My name is Chandler. I was sitting in my car last night at Broad Main Street. I saw the accident and I followed you home. Thought I ought to talk to you about it this morning. What do you want? The cops are looking for that hit-and-run driver. I'm the only guy that knows you're him. It ought to be worth something for me to keep my mouth shut. You want money? Yeah. Blackmail. Don't talk to him, Edward. Send him away. No, we can't do that, Catherine. He'd go to the police. But Elwood... Leave this to me. All right, Chandler. I'll give you the money. How much? Five hundred dollars. That's chicken feed. A thousand. Yeah. Now you're talking sense. When do I get it? I'll give it to you now. It's in my coat pocket. Here. Here it is. You'll find exactly one thousand dollars in twenty dollar bills. Thanks. Now, get out of here. Now, wait a minute. Don't get nasty, Fitch. I'm doing you a favor. You got your money. Now get out. I'm going. But I'll be back. You call this the first installment. Elwood, where did you get that money you gave him? Money? Last night you said we couldn't go to Arizona because we had no money. You, you just gave that man a thousand dollars. Where'd you get it? I was ashamed to tell you. I took it from Stinger. Stinger? The man we hit. I put my hand inside his coat to see if his heart was beating. The money was in the inside pocket. Elwood, how could you? Don't look at me like that, Catherine. We've been married a long time. Long enough for you to know that I'm not a crook or a murderer. But to kill a man and then take his money. Try to understand. All day long I've been thinking. A year to live. A year to live. When you know you're going to die, it does something to you. You forget what's right and what's wrong. I thought with that thousand dollars and a few hundred we've got in the bank, I thought we might be able to go to Arizona after all. Well, the money's gone. Yes. Don't think about it anymore. How can I stop thinking? You heard what Chandler said. That thousand dollars is the first installment. He'll blackmail us out of everything we own. <laughs> Shut the door, quick. 
Who is it, Catherine? Shut that door, Mrs. Fitch. You were here only yesterday. What do you want now? The cops are after me. You and me are on the same boat. What have you done? What do they want you for? Murder. Murder? You shouldn't have come here. I figured this place ought to make a pretty good hideout. No. You can't stay here. Oh, who's going to stop me? I won't allow it, Elwood. I won't have this man in my house. All right, cut the squad. No. I stood a lot in you, Chandler, but stay away from me. Don't you dare touch him. Elwood! Oh. Elwood! Don't, don't, don't cry, Kathy. I'm all right. Any more back talk, Fitch? No. Okay. I'm moving in. He took over the house. He used Catherine and me as servants. Treated us like dirt. There was nothing we could do about it. Just the three of us, cooped up in that little house. We couldn't go out. Food and cigarettes were sent up from the store. Went on like that until Tuesday morning. Hush, Elwood. Chandler will hear you. He can't. He's in the bedroom. You're, you're going to give yourself up? I can't stand this anymore. I can't stand it. Well, do what you think is best, darling. I've made up my mind. Rather than put up with that man, I'd prefer to go to prison. I'll call the police right now. Hello, operator. Get me police headquarters. Got a pal at headquarters, Fitz. Hey, Chandler. I don't... Don't point that gun at me. Cancel that call. Oh, oh, all right. Hello, operator. Operator. Never mind that call at police headquarters. No, 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 nothing's wrong. I, I just made a mistake. Thank you. You made your last mistake, Fitch. Imagine that black villain, Jack Chandler. First he blackmails Elwood, then he blackjacks him, and now he blackballs him from using his own telephone. You know what I'd do if I were Elwood? I'd apply for a writ of habeas corpus. That is... If Chandler doesn't turn Elwood into a corpus first. <laughs> Things do look bad for Elwood, I must admit, Mr. Host. My, what a lot of unpleasant surprises he's been having. Yes, and he's in for a lot more, Mary. Goodness. Well, right now, I'd much rather talk about pleasant surprises. Well, that's a lady's privilege, Mary. You go right ahead. A good instance of a pleasant surprise happened to me one of those glorious sunny days last week. Florence Perry and I drove out to the woods to gather spring wildflowers. But we'd scarcely reached the woods when the sky clouded over and in a few minutes we were chilled to the bone. Back to the car we hurried, figuring the whole afternoon was ruined. And it was then that Florence brought out that pleasant surprise I mentioned. A whole big thermos of heavenly hot Lipton tea. Well, we sat down and had ourselves a regular tea party right there in the woods. Suddenly everything seemed bright and cheery again. Lipton's had certainly saved the day with its bracing, cheery taste, its delightful, brisk flavor. The same thing happens so often with so many folks. Any time during the day, Lipton's is a pleasant, refreshing treat. Tea with a glorious, full-bodied tang that adds extra zest to every occasion. The reason? It's worthwhile remembering, friends. Lipton tea has brisk flavor. <laughs> Thank you.
Now, friends, let's get back to those lovely people, Jack Chandler and Elwood Fitch. Chandler the murderer and Elwood the hit-and-run driver. It's quite a pair. Together, they make a full house. A moment ago, Elwood tried to give himself up to the police. But Chandler caught him at the telephone. So, you were going to double-cross me, eh? No. I was only going to tell the police about myself. What do you suppose would happen to me when the cops came for you? I ought to kill you right now. Oh, no. You shut up. First thing I'm going to do is pull out that phone so you don't make no more calls at headquarters. <coughs> yeah. That settles the phone. Now, stand up. What are you going to... The door. Can you see who it is through the window, Fitch? Yes. Take a look. But remember, I still got this gun. Don't try any tricks. It's a man. Recognize him? No. Now listen. Before you open the door, I'm taking your wife into the next room with me. I'll be able to watch you and hear every word you say. You know what I'll do to Mrs. Fitch if you double-cross me. Yes. Okay. Now answer the door. Fetch, Elwood Fetch. That's right. May I come in? Yes, of course. I'm Detective Farley from headquarters. Here's my badge. Mind if I ask a few questions? What about? Well, I've been assigned to the Stanger case. Familiar with it? I, I read about it in the newspaper. A hit and run driver. That's the case. What do you know about it, Fetch? Why, nothing. Are you sure? See, here, you, you don't... You and your wife went to the movies Friday night, correct? Yes, that's right. Did you drive straight to your garage from the movies? Why, uh, no. It wasn't a good movie, so we left early and went for a ride. Did you pass the corner of Broad and Main Streets? Uh, no. We went in the other direction. You're lying, Fitch. I've been checking garages for that hit-and-run car. Your garage man told me you brought your car in Friday night with blood on the bumper. I told him... We ran into a dog. Don't make me laugh. Your story wouldn't hold up a minute if that fool garage man hadn't washed the blood off. Are you going to arrest me? I need evidence first. When I get it, I'll come back. Blood on the bumper. That cop is wise to you, Fitch. He, he said he'd be back. Sure. He'll be snooping around looking for proof. This is one heck of a hideout. I'm leaving. You're going away? Uh, glad of that, ain't you? Well, you got nothing to celebrate. What? What do you mean? I need time, plenty of time to get away from the city. I'm not going to leave you here to squeal to the cops as soon as I'm out of the door. We wouldn't tell the police. Yeah, I'm going to make sure you don't. I got one murder rap on me already. It might as well be three. Three? Edward, he means... Listen, Chandler. I swear we won't tell. Why should we? Remember what you said. We're both in the same boat. The police are after me, too. You tried to double-cross me once before. I ain't taking any chances. Please, please. There's no use begging. It won't do no good. When? When When are you going to do it? Before I go. Sometime after dark. The rest of that day was a nightmare. Chandler wouldn't let me separate from Catherine. Everywhere we went, everything we did, he was always behind us with that gun in his hand. The gun. I had to take it away from him. 
He was much younger than I. Big and tough. But I had to try. I watched for my chance. It came late in the afternoon. He was lighting a cigarette. He put the gun down on the living room table while he felt in his pockets for a match. Both of us were the same distance from the gun. I made a dive for it. Hey, get away from that rod. No, let go. I'll kill you for this. Catherine. Catherine. Grab his hand. Let go of me. Let go. Hold him, Catherine. Hang on, Tom. He's dead. I had to shoot him. I had to. Now what will we do? I don't know. What would he do if the positions were reversed? Call the police. No. The money. The money I gave him. The thousand dollars I took from Stenga. He still got it. It's ours again, Catherine. We're going to Arizona. Arizona. Don't you see? It's just like it was before he came. We'll take the money and we'll go to Arizona. But his body... He's a murderer, he said so himself. We'll put the body into the car, drive out to the suburbs and leave it on the highway. The police will think it was just another gangster murder. I was just able to squeeze the dead body into the luggage compartment. Hurry, Elwood. Let's get away before one of the neighbors sees us. Oh, my gosh. Now what's the matter? The gasoline gauge. It's almost empty. We'll have to stop at the garage. I drove back to the garage. Had Dan fill the tank and paid him with one of the $20 bills I'd taken from the body of Stinger. Dan gave me a queer look as he brought me the change. Here you are, Mr. Fitch. 13 gallons out of a $20 bill. Thanks, Dan. Oh, uh, by the way, did a detective come around to your house the other day? Yeah, yes, he did. <laughs> I, uh, I hope you don't hold it against me telling him about that blood on the bumper of your car. Oh, of course not, Dan. Why should I? After all, I had nothing to hide. Oh, that's right. Well, you know, to tell you the truth, Mr. Fitch, I, I was a little suspicious of you. I, oh. I thought you really might be that hit-and-run driver. Not that it matters much now. No? No, no. The police don't care much now about that driver. Why not? Oh, he's small potatoes now. I just heard over the radio that uh, that guy Stenger was just about dead even before that hit-and-run driver hit him. Hey, How could that be? Well, uh, the way the radio explained it, Stenger was shot in the back, and uh, he staggered out into the street, and then the car hit him. But you said he wasn't killed by the car. That's right. The coroner's inquest showed that he, he died of a bullet wound. He'd been murdered. The police even know who killed him. They, they know the killer's name? Uh-huh. I heard it over the radio just a minute ago. Oh, yeah, um, Chandler. Jack Chandler. <laughs> I don't remember driving away from the garage. It kept going around in my brain. Chandler had murdered Stenger. Catherine and I had run away from a crime we hadn't committed. No wonder Chandler had seen the accident. No wonder he feared the police. And now he was dead. His body packed into the luggage compartment of the car. Elwood, you're not listening to me. What? Oh, I, I, I was thinking about Chandler. That's what I was talking about. If he killed Stenger, why can't we go to the police and confess everything? Because we killed Chandler. Push for self-defense. Would the police believe that? 
They'd have to believe it. Even if they did, it would be murder in the third degree. They'd learn about the thousand dollars. I'd be held for trial. We'd never get to Arizona. No, Catherine. We've got to go through with our original plan. Edward, that siren. It's a police car behind us. What are you going to do? They may not be after us. If they do stop us, let me do the talking. Don't be afraid, Catherine. I'll handle it. Uh-huh. Middle-aged man and woman. You answer the description, all right. Name Fitch? Yes. What's the trouble, officer? There's an alert out for you. You bought gas back at your garage a few minutes ago. Paid for it with a $20 bill. That's right. Got any more of those bills on you? Why, yes. And I'm over. Here. Here they are. Looks like it's all here. This is the stuff, all right. What stuff? What are you talking about? It's money. It's counterfeit. Just like the bill you gave the garage man. Counterfeit? Phony money down to the last dollar. Move over. We're driving to headquarters. Well, that's the story, Detective Farley. You'll find Chandler's body in the back of my car. Willing to put your signature to this confession, Mr. Fitch? Yes, I'll, I'll sign it. Oh, you could have saved yourself a lot of grief. I know you were the hit-and-run driver when I came around to your house. But I needed the proof, and you gave it to me when you broke one of these phony $20 bills. Well, did you know then about the money? Sure. Stinger had a long record as a counterfeiter. His girl told us he was carrying $1,000 in bad money the night he was killed. Naturally, when we didn't find the money on his body, we knew it had been taken by the hit-and-run driver. And the blood on the bumper of your car was the giveaway. Well, now that you've caught me, what's going to happen to me? Well, depends on the jury. You might get 20 years. Might get life imprisonment. You might even get acquitted. <laughs> I'm in the courtroom now. Catherine beside me, waiting for the decision. The jury just filed in. The judge has asked if they reached a verdict. The foreman of the jury is rising to his feet. Your Honor, we find the defendants not guilty. Oh, 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 Catherine. Oh, Edward, thank heaven. I don't know whether to laugh or cry. Oh, darling, you were right in the very beginning. Money or no money, we're going to Arizona. Well, fooled you that time, friend. Slipped you a happy ending when you weren't set for it. But that jury decision... I don't know. It sounded a bit fitchy. <laughs> but seriously, friends, do you like happy endings? I don't, but then some people do. You know, someday, just to make sure, I'm going to have some research organization take a gallows pole. Well, Mr. Host, that seems a lot of trouble to go to when there's plenty of proof right in front of your nose that says people love happy endings. And what is that proof, Mary? 
It's the way thousands and thousands of families every day top off delicious meals with delicious Lipton tea. There's a real happy ending for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, folks. Try it and see. In fact, so that you won't forget it, add Lipton tea to your grocery list right now, this very minute. It's the world's favorite tea, and you're always sure of getting tea at its tastiest when you get Lipton's. Because remember, Lipton tea has that marvelous brisk flavor. A parting word of advice, friends, drawn from the experiences of Elwood Fitch. If your wife wants you to take a trip, don't argue. No, don't pretend. Simply bash her on the head and deliver her to the police. You can always say she tripped. <laughs> oh, yes, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is I Hate Blondes by Wolf Kaufman. And next week, the makers of Lipton Tea and Lipton Soups will bring you another Inner Sanctum story directed by Hyman Brown and called Screams in the Night. Of course, there'd be lots of screams. The kind you like. Blood-curdling. And there's the usual triangle. A man, his wife, and another girl. But the joker is... He who grafts best... Gasps last. Don't get it? <laughs> and for the details, better be listening to Inner Sanctum next week. Mm. Until then... Good night. Pleasant dreams. <laughs> Man, somebody get the WD-40. <laughs> Thanks for listening tonight, and in fact, all this week. I hope you'll join me next week for more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. Happy birthday to you. Hey, Bye. where's Mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So... Can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.